Welcome to the Changelog episode 0.4.8. I'm Adam Stachowiak. And I'm Wen Netherland. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new and open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at thechangelog.com. We're also up on GitHub. Head to github.com slash explore. You'll find some training reposts, some feature reposts from the blog, as well as our audio podcasts. And if you're on Twitter, follow Changelog Show and me, Adam Stack. And I'm Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N. This episode is sponsored by GitHub Jobs. Head to thechangelog.com slash jobs to get started. If you'd like us to feature your job on the show, select Advertise on the Changelog, and we'll take care of the rest. The folks at Pandastream need a special dev who's at ease with Ruby, Redis, MongoDB, and Beanstalk in production. Preferably in the U.S. as a remote worker, but also in London, if you happen to be there. If you're interested, lg.gd slash 6z. And if you're an Objective-C, Cocoa, or iOS dev that likes working with really smart people, check out Mutual Mobile, based in Austin, Texas, and they want to talk to you. Check out lg.gd slash 82. And Store Envy, a.k.a. the Tumblr for e-commerce, is looking for a senior Rails dev with JavaScript, Redis, MCached, and MySQL chops. If you're interested, lg.gd slash 6L. Store Envy made those awesome changelog tees we handed out at South By last year. Those are awesome tees, man. Now we're eagerly awaiting our stickers from Sticker Mule. Die cut stickers. Can't wait to put one of those on my Mac. I, uh, I've, got, uh, I've got my recent sticker, my Hubcap sticker. I got my Hubcap sticker, too. Yeah. From our buddy SF Eric. Mike, Eric, Michael's over. So who do we talk to today, this week, when? Talk to Koske and Andrew from the Jenkins Project, formerly Hudson, about their continuous integration server. Very cool. One of those uh, great tools lets you know who broke the build. Who broke the build? Almost uh, a little like CI Joe with uh, GitHub's project. Yeah. Cool name of that one. Yeah. Knowing's half the battle. Knowing's half the battle. So Jenkins, is uh, they went through a rebrand recently, a rename? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the uh, controversy there and uh, how they kind of parted ways with Oracle and the, the corporate backing they had when the project was uh, named Hudson. And now pretty much the whole core team has moved on as the name Jenkins. So we, we talked about that and uh, a little bit about uh, what you would use Jenkins for. Sweet. Fun episode. Should we get to it? Let's do it. We're chatting today with Koski and Andrew from the Jenkins team. So I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves and a little bit about what you do with the project. So Koski, why don't you go first? Okay, so I'm, I guess I'm the creator of the, um, the original Hudson slash Jenkins project, and I've been involved in it ever since. Andrew? Uh, I'm the build guy here at Cloudera and a contributor to Hudson, oh, sorry, no, Jenkins, core and plugins, and have been for almost two years now. So I bet you we do that a lot on this call, Hudson yeah. to Jenkins. So for those that... That might be confused. Who wants to give a little backstory before we jump into what Jenkins actually is around uh, its history as Hudson? Right. Okay. So I think I, I think I can take that. So um, well, I was working for um, for some microsystems for quite some time. I think nine years now. Well, nine years or so. And um, I, well, I you know I'm a guy who just enjoy writing programs. So the, my day jobs didn't keep me busy now. So I have all these projects that I'm doing for hobby, and the um, Hudson was one of those that I started around 2004. And um, well, like I said, I have many other projects, but this one, for some reason, uh, got traction, I guess, both inside the company and outside. 
And so I sort of gradually grow from there. And um, I think over the years, it, it attracted a lot of users as well as the developers. And then so we are now, you know, a fairly modest size project now. So, so I think that's the sort of brief history of the project. How many users do you think you have? Um, so yeah, so we actually have some means. So the the Hudson, well, or Jenkins now has a um, mechanism to sort of ping back our server um, because that's how they get updates. And then we also collect anonymous usage statistics, and so that gives us some sense of how much the project is used out there. So the, I think we haven't tallied the number for a while, but the last time we checked, which was around I think the last summer. Um, I think we estimate, are estimating about like 26k to 30k installations worldwide. That's fantastic. And, uh, so, gi- yeah. So, given that each one is a server app, I think we have probably like about half a million users right there. Yeah, those those were real installations that we saw multiple times that had actual projects on them, not just somebody spinning it up locally to to take a look at it. Those were real production instances. So this podcast covers a, a wide range of, of listeners. For the uninitiated, explain a little bit about what continuous integration is. To me, I guess the, the ultimate summary of the CI is like, well, we want to be, we the human beings want to be lazy. And so, um, the, so everything, so the, the, the program like CI is really just you know, do everything that the machines can do and, and they free us up for you know, the kind of things that only we can do. But um, so that's like the ultimate long-term goal. And I guess, but in the meantime, at the more short term, what the most of the users are using um, Jenkins for is uh, basically having the servers build their program and, and test them. And also perhaps like deploy to your, you know, the target environment or um, do some other peripheral automations. I, I think uh, reporting uh, on the builds and tests. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah. Is is probably the the biggest the biggest visibility thing for for Jenkins. Just that you can see what happens with the build. You can see what happened in previous builds. You can see how many tests failed this build versus previous build, etc. Right. It sort of gives more visibility into the current state of the project. I think what what used to happen in Sun a lot is. Yeah, there are people who occasionally, well, who, who take vacations and so on. And then often those are the only people who knows like which branch you're supposed to be committing or like where are the, whether the tests are supposed to be passing or failing. So when, when we didn't have Jenkins before, you know, those information are basically hard-coded into people's brains. And, and now with application like and the CI servers in general, but the Jenkins in particular, when you have those data available on the, the web application, it's much easier uh, for the managers and so on to get some sense of what's going on. Jenkins also offers a lot of uh, features that are useful for management type of people too, like you have the, uh, the clouds that you display if, if a project isn't building well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually took some heat for some of the more visibility stuff. I guess the managers back then didn't really know how horrible our state of the programs are. <laughs> kind of, the engineers kind of got away with that, but there is this stuff that, you know, so when I put, I actually built the, um, at one point, so, the, so one of the things that Jenkins has is this the color orb that represents like, the latest status. So if it's you know, blue, it's good, and if it's red, it's bad. So at one point, I built this physical device that actually shows it and put that in the coffee room. 
And so what happened was that the manager got scared that it's, it's red all the time. <laughs> my fellow engineers, they didn't like the idea because um, but they, they are, you know, the managers aren't supposed to see that. So can you go over some of the things that makes Jenkins stand out versus the other continuous integration servers that are available? For example, it's written in Java, and so you can deploy it anywhere, but people use it for projects that are, have nothing to do with Java. And can you like go over the uh, plugin system that... That's, I think that's one of your biggest features right there. Right? Yeah. Andrew, you want to take that? Because I, I think he, he's been deploying Jenkins in pretty interesting ways. I think he can... Because out of the box, yeah. with the plugins you install, you can pretty much do anything that you could ever need 85% of the time, right? Yeah, I think the plugin uh, architecture and ecosystem is really what sets Jenkins apart. Um, it's so easy to get going writing a plugin. And if you know any Java, you can figure it out pretty quickly. And you can also write them in Groovy. Uh, and now there's work on writing them in uh, JRuby uh, as well. Um, so it's, it's, there's so many extension points to build off of so that if you've got a test tool you want to do reports on, a uh, coverage tool, uh, static analysis, uh, there's easy ways to integrate that either using existing plugins or if you've got something new that's not out there, you can write something yourself very easily and then publish it through uh, the Jenkins Update Center to get to all the other Jenkins users out there. Um, so uh, that's, I mean, that's what pulled me in originally was uh, that I started playing with Jenkins and needed a change to the ClearCase plugin, and next thing I know, I'm the ClearCase plugin maintainer. And then writing more plugins anytime that there's something else I don't, uh, that's, that's not there that I'd like to have there. And that, that ease of use and that ease of uh, accessibility is really great as, uh, you know, a build hacker, as a tools guy. Um, being able to improve your tools on the fly is fantastic, especially compared to, you know, a large commercial uh, build management server that doesn't really expose its data, that doesn't really encourage you to improve it. it it's night and day. Yeah, it's really helped us that, the, our users are also developers, so when they find some missing things, you know, as long as we, we provide a means for them to scratch their own itch, they do. I think that's really this, the part of the success of the Jenkins is that this plugin system that allows people to you know, just scratch their own little itch. And then so over the time, I think people have... Well, so I had to spend a lot of time, actually, to get that infrastructure in place, but once that's in place, the people showed up in mass and then wrote the plugin. I think we have Today, about like 300 plugins that's covering not yeah. just Java, but then PHP, Ruby, Python, .NET, C++, and what have you. Did we actually have like a COBOL plugin? Uh, somebody was talking about a COBOL okay. plugin, okay. but okay. So that talk- kind of terrified me as a concept. So. <laughs> I'm just so. blown away continuously when I'm using it, uh, how easy it is to set anything up. Like uh, I was discussing internally, I was on a, an IRC channel that we created for my organization, and uh, they were just like, yeah, some people use this for, you know, reporting builds, and like within, I think it took me like two minutes from start to finish to, to get it to push every test up, you know, report it in the IRC channel. It's just amazing. Yep. I love yeah, it. The, the barrier to get going with pretty much anything is, is almost nil. Um, when you compare that to some of the other CI tools out there, uh, you know, the older ones that have, you got to go edit files on the server, et cetera. Well, with Jenkins, you just 
run the jar, run the war file, and then everything's pretty obvious and pretty right there. Um, and it supports every uh, version control system there is ever, right? <laughs> we, it supports ones that it really shouldn't. Yeah, we support. There is a plugin for Visual Source Safe. I don't know why. Uh, last I checked in the last usage stats we looked at, I think there were like 10 people who had it installed. That's amazing. I don't know why. Well, I still get but, like the bug yes. reports on that one. So I, I know people are using it. But well, the he, biggest yes. bug on that one, of course, is that it's visual source safe. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so people use it for other things other than just writing tests, right? You can, you know, you can push uh, de- you know, deploys and everything else with it. You have parameterized builds. Uh, yeah. Back uh, in my previous job at Dig, we used it for uh, pre-testing commits. You know, when they get submitted for review, and then uh, an automated deployment, you know, continuous deployment process, such that anytime anything changed and passed the test, it would keep going through to be tested against other things until it ended up live. So that theoretically, the only human intervention you needed was writing the code and reviewing the code. Um, yeah, anything you can script, you can do through Jenkins. Right. So, in fact, one of the ways that, that Jenkins is described is like as a glorified grunt. So, anything that you execute you know, at, at certain interval, at certain point, or scriptable, you can run it from Jenkins. And it's normally better to do so than doing it from Chrome. You, know, you get the notifications, you can retry at your own choosing if you want to. You, know, you can script the, the choreograph multiple things, emails, etc., etc. So uh, Jenkins predates GitHub, right? Um, uh, I, I'm not sure, honestly. I don't. I don't know exactly when GitHub came along. So when did you when did you start the Hudson project? Uh, that's 2004. Yeah, yeah. So I think GitHub came along. It, it lapsed it a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So what has GitHub meant? Uh, so I'm assuming you had a source control prior to to GitHub. What has GitHub meant as far as building community and, and getting uh, community buy-in around Hudson now Jenkins? Uh, well, so guess, pull requests obviously are fantastic. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to take uh, fix this for somebody else rather than having to worry about getting them to put a patch on Jira and then having to apply it and make sure that we've got the right uh, versions against it, et cetera. Well, with pull requests, somebody can just go fork it, make their change, submit, you know, commit it, push it, and then send it a pull request and yeah, so, so to, to me, the, the, one of the most important aspects of the project was how to make it easier for other people to come join you know, the development um, of the project. Right? So um, even when we were using Subversion, um, we had this interesting committer policy that everyone can just become a committer just by asking. Now, whereas in normal, more mainstream open source project, you, you normally have to first prove yourself, you know, hanging around long enough and sending in patches before you are accepted. So, so we tried various things in an attempt to lower the barrier to entry. And then to me, the Git or the GitHub is like, you know, the natural next step to that end. Because then people could just fork a repository and then make some changes. And it makes it easier for us to see those and integrate them back. So um, you know, when we saw GitHub, I guess initially I had to say I wasn't quite I guess, ready to move the, the code, but over the time I think we, are, we, we sort of we saw the light, and then we became an integral part in my mind. So we need to get you guys to tell your buddies 
about GitHub. We love we love GitHub, and we would like to cover more Java on the show. The problem is a lot of these code repositories that are popular outside of the GitHub community just make it difficult to peer into the community and see what's hot and not. I'm looking at the top languages on GitHub right now, github.com slash languages, and Java weighs in at 6% of the mm. projects. So why do you think that is? <laughs> uh, you, uh, yeah, it, yeah, okay. Andrew, go ahead. I think part of that is you've got the the really big Apache Java projects all already, you know, have their own repositories uh, outside of GitHub historically. Um, so that's some factor considering how much how much of the Java open source ecosystem uh, consists of Apache tools uh, and libraries, et cetera. Um, but I'm not entirely sure, honestly. I, I, it may just be that Ruby and Python people write too much code. Um, <laughs> I can attest to that. So speaking of, I'm going to drop a, a – uh, you guys are still online. I'm going to drop a uh, graphic that you've probably seen into our chat here. How language uh, programmers view programmers from different languages. I'll drop this in for you, Andy. Paste that into the show notes. You'll have to paste this into the show notes. If you guys remember seeing this. If it's the same thing. Let me take a look. Ah, that's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) So is that how you see us? Do you see us as the... uh... Well, which one are you, Ruby? Yeah, I'm Ruby, Kenneth's Python. At least you're not PHP. Yeah, Kenneth, I guess you're not represented here. Probably closer to Ruby. So I'm a oh, super Python friend. isn't even on there. That's uh, now we need to update. That's because it doesn't need to be mentioned. It's it's just on the whole <laughs> above the fray, as it were, huh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, by choice, I, I'll I'll take closure over anything else. Give me my lips, <laughs> and I'm fine. Yeah, we want to get closure more and and Scala on the show as well. So we need. Don't those both to, fall underneath the Java realm, though? They do. They do. So we need sort you of. guys to I mean, hook us up JVM, with. But... Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess you could call JRuby in that regard as well. But uh, need you, you guys to hook us up with the cool projects in these communities so that we can showcase them on the change log. Sure. So this whole, you know, you're talking about how Git is fostering the community, and it, or, you know, GitHub and Git. Uh, isn't that what triggered this whole Oracle debacle? Wanting yeah, that's one of the things. That's one of the triggers. Yeah. Um, the community deciding yeah. to to migrate off of uh, Oracle's infrastructure onto GitHub. That that uh, that probably wasn't the underlying cause, but definitely the the straw that broke the camel's back. Probably. Um, yeah. Back in November. Uh, We'd had some very preliminary talks before that point about uh, our infrastructure situation, about uh, eventually wanting to move more to GitHub. Uh, I'd already started doing my plugin development uh, with any new plugins uh, in GitHub uh, as of this spring. Um, so, you know, we'd had some talks about that, but, you know, why change what's not broken, that sort of thing. And then the Java.net uh repositories, mailing lists, and the rest of the infrastructure went down while they were moving it all over to new infrastructure and a new framework, uh, Oracle, um, moving it without really 
communicating well with us uh, that that was happening, and so we weren't sure what that meant, and we started, you know, trying to make sure we had the source on GitHub so we could keep working, tried to make sure we had Google Groups so that we had a communication mechanism, et cetera, and then there were conflicts uh, stemming from that. Yeah. So then, um, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, I, no go ahead. So, so what's the current status? I, I feel like a lot of people are confused because they're calling Jenkins a fork of Hudson when really the Oracle's continued Hudson development is actually a fork of Jenkins, right? That's, that's what I feel. Um, my, as I've said in a couple posts and emails, that it, whichever project it is, that whatever project it is that, that Koska is working on, that's the real project to me. I mean, he's... Uh, too modest to say this himself, but seriously, he's the project. He's written like 85% of the code of Core. I mean, he's, he's done remarkable work here, and I can't see a situation where the majority of the community says we want to go rename to Jenkins and Koske is part of that, where that, I can't see that being the fork versus the one that's kept the name, but that's about it. And yeah, I should, I should also point out that you know we spit for I guess we did the voting uh, to to get the uh, feeling I mean get get to see where the community, you know how the community feels, um, and so the the result of that was like the ninety more than ninety percent of people were favorable. Two hundred fourteen voters, uh, eligible voters, people who had been on the mailing lists uh, before the vote started, voted to rename to Jenkins fourteen voted to uh, stay with the status quo under Oracle Central. Right. So, so I guess my argument is that, well, if the 93% of, you know, well, let's say, well, the people are moving with, uh, moving last to Jenkins, you know, well, and they call that a fork. I don't know. I don't know how you, I think that's not a fair description. Is there going to be any co-sharing between the two projects? We'll see. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I, I honestly, I mean, we, in our talks with Oracle, and when this, when this actually ended up happening, they made it very clear that renaming was not saying we want nothing to do with Oracle. It was just saying that because Oracle claims a trademark on the name Hudson, there were restrictions that that put on the project. Um, we didn't have a guarantee that we'd be able to use the name regardless. Of, you know, we weren't an independent, we weren't able to be a truly independent project uh, while we were beholden to Oracle for the rights to our name. So I felt that, and Kafka agreed, and apparently most of the community agreed, that we needed to change the name so that we could be an independent project. That was not saying that Oracle shouldn't be involved. Um, we still offered the third seat on the interim board, uh, governance board, to Oracle. Uh, I really wish Oracle had wanted to and have been willing to work uh, with the Jenkins community, but that's not what they opted for. They opted to... Uh, um, let's see if there's, you know, what code is shared. I mean, I, I don't know what all they'll end up doing. I don't know what all they'll be able to take uh, from us and vice versa based on uh, licenses or copyright or community, you know, licensing agreements, et cetera. Um, 
hopefully uh, we can stay compatible as long as uh, possible. Hopefully they, and you know, never know, maybe they'll be uh, willing to play ball uh, eventually. I mean, we're not trying to push them away. We're trying to just make sure that it's a healthy, stable, vibrant, independent project. So Matthew McCullough on Twitter, you've answered part of his question, wants to know if there will be any effort to migrate existing plugins from using the Hudson name to the Jenkins name. Yes. Um, but it's probably going to be piecemeal. It'll probably be when there's a, a reason to release a new version of the project, uh, of a plugin, besides just changing the name, uh, then do a new release. Uh, I know that for my plugins, I'm at least uh, looking into that, uh, but it's not. It, functionality matters more than cosmetics on a plugin level, I think. Uh, as long I mean, as long as it says Jenkins, you know, at the top banner, you can tell that you're on Jenkins. I think that it's permissible if uh, one plugin doesn't quite get all the names exactly right right away. Um, but we don't want to make everybody have to reinstall new versions of their plugins just to get a purely cosmetic name change. Um, but over time, I'm sure that will, that, that more and more of the, 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 as plugins get modified, as new releases come out, that the, the Hudson name will uh, fade out from the plugins. Is that going to affect, the, or do you know how that's going to affect the Ubuntu package by any chance? Or the Debian packages, I should say? Uh, um, okay. So I believe, so let's see. So I believe we only have, the, the packages we produce are already, you know, properly named. And I don't think we are in the, any other sort of official Ubuntu repositories. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, I have the uh, the the app source pointed to yeah. the Hudson URL. Is that automatically over at Jenkins now? Or do I need to update that? Uh, I, I believe that Kosuke and others at the, written up a wiki entry uh, on okay. upgrading Hudson to Jenkins. Uh, we can send that to you guys if you'd like. So you, you think that the, the migration for everyone should be painless and really wouldn't make any difference at all, right? It shouldn't. Yeah. So far, the reports we got from people are very positive that they were able to smoothly migrate to a newer version. So yeah. you just have to say, if you're using uh, the Ubuntu, I guess you just have to say sudo apt get install Jenkins, and then that's it. Sounds good. So this whole debacle kind of, you know, brings forth the two-edged sword of uh, corporations backing open source software. Do you have any other comments or opinions on, you know, what people should be doing or shouldn't be doing in terms of that and how to handle certain situations? Because this is it's got a lot of press and a lot of coverage. It's kind of a uh, a hot topic at the moment. Yeah, I don't know what the lesson should be. Um... Like, is there anything yeah, I, you guys would have done differently from the start? Or you wish that, obviously you wish Oracle would have been a little more willing to, to discuss things and, you know, be part of the board now that you've changed the name, right? For instance, right. on jQuery, John Resig, you know, made um, efforts at some point in the project to move um, trademarks and licenses and things into outside of his personal control into a, a foundation control, as I understand it. Um, is that important to do once a project hits a certain critical mass to make sure that no single organization other than that organization that really you know, is looking after the community can, can gain control of it? I think that's true. I think that the, 
I mean, I think it's, it's different depending on situation. There's plenty of open source projects that are 90% developed at one company, but they share it with the world. Um, and in those cases, I mean, that's, that's, you know, the choice of the developers, uh, the choice of the development and user community. But if it's a project that's not just tied to one corporation, not just tied to one entity, uh, I think it is important to make sure that, that, that it is truly independent, that it's not, that you don't have uh, one figure uh, playing a bigger, having, having more a disproportionate power because of trademarks and copyrights uh, over the rest of the, uh, the community, assuming that's the direction you want your project to go. Again, this is, it's entirely up to the project what they want to do. Uh, what, what works for Jenkins doesn't necessarily work for a different project. Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah, but I think we'll come out stronger from this than before. I think it, it was actually a good thing that you know this this gave us the the the, the motivation. I mean, motive motivation to sort of look more into more structures and the governance and making sure that the the various companies are involved and so on. Yeah. So that that sort of makes helps make the project more independent. And I think in a long term that helps. So I even though in the short term Sorry. it might take some hit. I think it's in the long term, I think we'll come out stronger from this than before. And we've definitely seen uh, an increase in users and developers wanting to help, wanting to contribute uh, both bug fixes, help with the rename process, infrastructural matters. Uh, it's, it's, it's been heartening. It's been really nice to get that support, to get, uh, get more people playing at bigger roles. Uh, and so, so that everybody's got more of a sense of, uh, of ownership uh, of the project because it is the communities. So my wife and I are considering baby names, and i got to tell you, Hudson was on the list, but I can't say that Jenkins will make the cut. <laughs> uh, where That's did that okay. name come from, and was this also a community vote? Uh, so Hudson, uh, the name Hudson was for uh, Butler from Upstairs Downstairs, if I remember correctly, the BBC TV show. Is that right? That's right, isn't it? Okay. Oh, no, that's not how. So the so, so I guess the, the origin of the name is that um, I, you know, I, I, as I mentioned, I, I think of this software as really as a one more person to your development team. So I, I I liked very much the idea of giving it the name of the person, so that like you can say, well, let's have Hudson look at this, or let's have the, the Jenkins already did that, or something like that. So you know, so the so I thought, well, this is a program that helps other people. So, well, what what kind of people help other people? Well, butlers do. And so, so hence the logo of that little gentleman. So he's a butler. And then the Hudson just sounded like a British butler name to me. It, it sounds like, you know, when I asked the, the people here, it apparently isn't, but somehow I got the impression that the Hudson was like a British sounding name. <laughs> so then, you know, then so that was like 2004. And then now recently, well, we had to, come up with something else. So we actually had, you know, we looked at a few other names. I think our primary choice was actually Alfred, yep. you know, the, um, the famous Butler. Butler. Yeah. But okay. it, we, uh, fairly late into the game on that one, we discovered a, uh, 
uh, application for the Mac. Like, yeah, I was going to mention that. It's called Alfred. Um, how we didn't notice that until then, I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, yeah, so that, then we had to come up with something else uh, that would still evoke the, the Butler feel, um, you know, something that would still fit with the, yeah, the theme and the, the, the conception. Uh, and Jenkins, I think, is a pretty good option. I think it's a. We we didn't put the specific boat up the name up for a boat uh, just because then we'd end up with seventy thousand suggestions. Uh, but was Niles up for a vote? Uh, <laughs> the community yeah, sort of uh, people, embraced it. <laughs> yeah, people had all kinds of suggestions when when this whole thing had started. You know, like I can imagine someone suggested that we call it Rari, you know, in honor of the CEO. Uh, so, uh, so this is where we turn the show upside down a little bit and we've added a, another a question or two to this kind of ending salvo so I'll put you guys on the spot first question and I'll uh, hit you up first Koski who's your programming hero ah okay so so that's an easy question so there's a guy called James Clark um, he's um, I think he now lives in Thailand but yeah he, I think he's He's a very in a very enviable position of being very rich and very smart. So like he doesn't have to do work, and he just wanna do things that he wants to do. And he's been so he's like so smart that I actually met him a few times and his brain is actually bigger. You can see that like his head you know, above the eyes is like actually swelling to, to accommodate his brain size and uh, <laughs> so he's been my hero uh, ever since. Um, he, he, when I looked at his code, it's just, just amazing. And, um, so that, that's the height that I'm trying to get to, but, you know, there are sometimes you just see someone that's so good that you kind of get depressing because you, you <laughs> see the chasm that you can't cross, but you'll see. At least I'm younger than him. So if I survive him longer, then that, that might be, a, <laughs> that might be a way. Andrew? Um, Honestly, I, I, I have a hard time imagining anybody that much better than Koske, who is definitely one of my programming heroes, uh, just for the sheer volume of amazing uh, code that he's written. Um, also, uh, uh, Guy Steele and other, uh, other Lisp hackers, just aesthetically, I love Lisp, and I love thinking about Lisp, and so guys have done really great work in that area, and in language design uh, impressed the hell out of me. Yeah, you have the thing with Lisp that I've been always curious about. It's it's my my dad was MIT uh, grad, so I grew up with the little Lisper in uh, the room with the computer. And then in college, <laughs> uh, we did we did uh, our second year of CS course in in Scheme, and there's just something elegant about about Lisp languages and about thinking about programming in that functional way, and about you know where code is data and data is code and I'm not that I'm not very good at it, but it really helps me when I run into a programming challenge to to think about the problem and how one would solve it from that perspective. And it, it tends to help me come up with uh, less buggy solutions, if nothing else. So you grew up within a uh, an environment surrounded with a sea of parentheses. Y- yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been so- on Emacs for. 14 years, so, you know. Oh, so Lisp Emacs, which, which uh, or sorry, Emacs Lisp, which Lisp is the uh, kosher implementation? Uh, most of the Lisp I've done in the, in 
the last year or so have been uh, just programming challenge stuff in Clojure. Um, I like to uh, dabble uh, in uh, MZ. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I like to dabble in MZ scheme every once in a while, but I can't. Yeah. I still haven't wrapped my head completely around the concept. It's like a, an exercise for me. I can't yeah, actually. It, could never be productive in that environment. <laughs> definitely take a look at uh, structured interpretation of computer programs. The old uh, intro textbook from MIT. Um, it's a brilliant resource for. A, understanding programming, and B, understanding scheme and list languages. Um, I, I treasure my copy. So outside of Jenkins, what software gets you guys excited that you uh, really want to play with in, you know, in the future of the whole programming landscape? Mm. Interesting question. Mm. Well, I'm a I'm a build guy, uh, so build uh, tools really fascinate me. I, I love Maven for Java builds. Um, I think Selenium is absolutely fantastic, um, and uh, and I really enjoy that it's seeing this uh, the sprawl of languages running on JVM besides Java. I think that's the ability to write in so many different languages, but share code between them, I think, is, is really great. So if you had a completely open weekend this weekend and you, you weren't allowed to touch anything related to build servers, what project would you play with? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to set up this, I guess, the home audio automation. So I, know, I, you know, I bought the Airport Express. I guess that's how they call their wireless writer at Apple. You know, they, they, they got some DRM to protect it down, but you got the streaming protocol that can send audio over there. So I was, I was, I was wondering if I could hack that a little bit too, so that I can get my speaker hooked up there to, to, to receive um, audio from my computers. That would be very the cool. The problem is that the, everything like that eventually comes back to Jenkins for me. That I had these sorts of holy projects, but one way or the other, they come back to Jenkins. So in the context of Jenkins, it would be like if the build would break, you, you know, this, so this is the problem, right? you, don't, you don't normally have a speaker, but with this audio over the Ethernet, you could actually send the, uh, you know, send the audio over that, and then you get... So I thought that would be funny. I haven't actually done that, but... Well, thanks for taking the time, guys. We really appreciate uh, you telling us the backstory of Jenkins Nay Hudson. And uh, hopefully uh, it'll just keep on going as far as the momentum that you've seen so far. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you.